0: Brian still was in charge, though it may sound watered down to you, it's still, Brian can't help when he's good, he just is. He just is. There were so many aspects of the Smile album, and the elements, and and all the things that made up the record. That he just uh, he had to, to just let it go because it came at a time when Brian was just really finding it difficult to stay focused. He wasn't getting any enjoyment out of it. it wasn't fulfilling him. It was painful. So uh, we made smiley smile instead.
1: Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Salon Podcast. This is Wyatt in Nashville, Tennessee. How is everybody? I hope you're high and dry, moving and groovin', healthy and wealthy and wise, all that stuff. Very sorry for the delay between episodes, but we are back with an absolute banger. I've had a dreary few weeks, but I can feel the sun on my face, and I'm feeling good. Thank you guys for making me part of your day. Thanks for everyone's kind words over the last few weeks. It means a lot. And a big shout out to our latest patrons, Robert Alagna, James Shelton, Ev Waldo, Andre Rokamora, and Andy Birch. So much to cover today and I don't want to waste any more time, so let's get straight into Smiley Smile the sessions. So we left off with the Beach Boys on tour in Europe in May 1967. Derek Taylor's efforts to bolster the band's image are beginning to fail because the long-awaited Smile album is now a California myth. And to top it off, the Beatles released their masterpiece, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, on the 26th of May, just as the band returns home. But within a few days, Brian is back at Armin Steiner's sound recorders, salvaging a couple vegetable sessions from the April version to use in a new revision. welcome back will crera and john brody what is brian doing here it sounds like he could be adding an organ
2: yeah it's quite weird so brian kind of evidently have like a new version of vegetables in his mind he wouldn't record it for another couple of weeks and he'd go back to heroes and villains and do all these other things but he did do something here with kind of a purpose of how he's going to restructure vegetables so he while he's doing that yes he has that organ part on the on the fade which sounds kind of like this chimey keyboard has been called like a vibraphone or a xylophone or you know an electric harps or whatever but it's definitely called an organ on the tape and we figured out that it's brian's baldwin organ it's got a setting on the on the baldwin organ it's the piano and the harp stops together and we figured that out because there's someone that uh we know who actually has a baldwin organ a bit, a bit like brian's and he tried out all these different settings and he was like sending them and all and we were like wait that's the one that's the one so That's what the sound is, it's Brian's Baldwin organ that he's uh, just got from Murray, and he's logging it into a studio and using it for the very first time on this Vegetables thing for this really cool kind of chimey carnival sound uh, that's just doubling the melody and the fade, and it's really beautiful, and it's straight on the monomix, which is why it's so difficult to remix.
3: This was kind of him going back to vegetables, and then after this, he goes back and finishes up "Heroes and Villains," and decided that was going to be the next Beach Boys single. And then after that, he decided to keep working on "Vegetables" and re-record the main section in a lower key now, and without the uh, without the
4: chorus. Ah.
2: So when Brian goes back to Vegetables, he re- try- records one version that's still unreleased somehow. It wasn't even on Sunshine Tomorrow, it's just bootlegged. But he did this track with this uh, with this very special sounding piano, which is going to be the signature sound of every Beach Boys thing for the next sort of three or so years until he got it tuned normally like a coward again. <laughs> um, but it's basically this big chickering piano that Murray gave him. And I think maybe 65 that he was writing pet sounds on and then it was on... He was in the sandbox on Smile, and then now he's moved it to the new Bellagio house, and it's the centerpiece of the living room studio.
3: Well, if you listen to the Inside Pop documentary, where he's playing Surf's Up in his home, that's the same piano that's on Smiley Smile. And it sounds completely different. He had a a piano tuner come by, and I think Marilyn said he like sang every note exactly where he wanted it to be tuned which is kind of incredible <laughs> I don't know how true that might be but you know um, it sounds kind of... plausible to me because
2: yeah just for adjustments I mean if,
3: if you want a note to just be a little bit off he had a very precise way of singing so that that's that sound that's all over Smiley smile is is his he had it detuned so it the notes kind of ring out because when you hit a key It hits three strings and then they're all kind of a little bit off from each other. So it's got this extra ring to it.
2: And that's Smiley Smile smile, pretty much right there. It's got the Duceon piano, it's got the Baldwin organ... And it's got Brian's really, it's like almost like a slap bass. (laughs) No, he's playing it. It's like the the strings are all over the place. And it's really kind of just, he's not playing that bass line anymore. It's just going thump, 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 thump on one note.
3: Yeah, I mean, he was moving in this direction throughout Smile the whole time. But this is just kind of where it hits its peak. It's just a bass thumping quarter notes. And that's the only instrument, really.
2: Yeah, and that would have been a, you know, a moment to figure out when he, um, a moment to kind of witness when he figured out that he could do that I think it was probably when he's putting the bass on the other version and he didn't like the track and he thought hang on what if I just did this like what if I just went thump 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 and then that was the backing track (laughs) yeah that's when Smiley Smile really starts you know you have heroes and villains which is already kind of kind of what you'd expect and then you get to track 2 and it's like thump thump thump
4: thump you know (laughs) (laughs)
3: Well, this version of Vegetables doesn't have the uh, the chorus of the Smile version. So it doesn't no, have that. It's it's more like the that original. Kind of, yeah, it doesn't have that really dynamic in the middle of the song. It's just he recorded four verses in a row. Um, so the vocals on here, he had the group, which is uh, him and Carl and Alan, and Mike, uh, not Dennis, unfortunately. He had them all just sing in unison instead of one person singing the lead, which is what they did on the Smile version.
2: Yeah, so it's like a campfire
3: song, kind
4: of. If you brought a big brown bag of them home...
2: But then in the second verse is when it gets really good because it kind of breaks off from that single line. Yeah. Where oh, it, it suddenly goes into a harmony, where like a four-part, four-freshman thing.
4: I'm gonna keep well my vegetables Cart off and sell my vegetables I
3: love you most of all My favourite vegetable Again, I think just that Smiley Smile, this is some of the best harmony singing that they'd ever done. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> because they were so close and because the harmonies really had room to shine without any complicated instrumental backing arrangements. So they 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 did the vocals here and then double tracked them. And then there's some other interesting overdubs. He had them all whistle together, which eventually just got oh, yeah. cut out of the uh, the version on the album. And then there's the celery.
2: Yeah, which is debt Which is Brian chewing the celery on this one? It's not Paul McCartney, and uh, we're not going to get back into that again. But this one is definitely Brian because he's going, ah, oh, yeah, in the microphone. And uh, God, he must have got through a lot of celery doing this because it goes on for ages. <laughs> and uh, you can hear him like these strange sounds, like he's tearing it apart with his bare hands, uh, and then crunching it. And uh, a lot of a lot of celery crunching on this one. It's much more of an instrument than it was on. on on the other track.
3: He also had himself and Al uh, blowing into these glass bottles to kind of produce a a D chord uh, which is really cool. Yeah, really that was know. Al's idea,
2: which I, I really like, he was the one that came up with that. Uh, yeah. I wish it was used and more, you, it's like, it happens twice. <laughs> Love
4: you most of all, my favorite
3: There's footage of them doing something similar in, I think, an American band. It's like all six of them hanging out, blowing into oh, some yeah. balls. The Coke bottle thing. Yeah. So phyman. that's probably that's... where the idea came from.
2: And there's also this uh, great vocal part after the second verse as well, where they all kind of go of vegetable," like <laughs> the word backwards. It's so ridiculous, yeah. but it's perfect.
3: <laughs> and then when they when they double track it, they kind of delay it by a beat, so it's like an echo effect. But that's just how they recorded it. My
4: favorite vegetable. Oh, Taper Vigil. Taper Vigil.
2: And they've also got uh, all the scat vocals as well which we have been in the third verse of the Smile version and then also in that first version of With Me Tonight it's kind of the same arrangement but now it's uh, yeah, it's Aldo doing the high part and then Brian's kind of in the middle uh, mic's on the bottom and the car's doing that kind of like thing um, and then at the end of it they do that transition to the key change because they've done it in D and they're going back to E for the Smile versions uh, they have that kind of... Uh, Vocal transition, but underneath that, Mike does this bass part, and he adds like a, a third bass part after the double tractor, where he's going kind of vergea verge 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 vergea 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 table able and it's, oh, genius! It's so, <laughs> it's, it's uh, ridiculous. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I love this. I love this so much. <laughs> Before Al apparently forgot that the smile, you know, Paul McCartney session was different to Smiley Smile, he did he did say in an interview in '71 like he, Paul was involved in that section at the very end where the where the track kind of changes character, and that was done months ago. Um, and it's just yeah, it's 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 that original smile version, which is just piano and bass and vocals, now feels like this big huge production that it's jumping out of because we've gone so small, which I think is absolutely brilliant, uh, and that great shiny yeah. kind of instrumental. Um, you know that sort of the Chimey Baldwin part that's it makes it sound like a carnival. It's it's yeah, it's really really special when it goes into that. I think that's one of my favorite little favorite little edits that he did to reincorporate some of the some of that music.
3: Yeah, and th- there's so many little details in here too, um, which is kind of crazy that that that's even possible with such a small kind of track. But like when they sing. I jump up and down and hope you toss me a carrot. Brian plays kind of like a, he like slides his finger up the bass right after the word jump. Yeah. So yeah. it's like it's like kind of that um, that musical humor where the the lyrics interact with what the music's actually doing. Um, that smile is so known for it. That's that's not died out. That's still very prevalent on Smiley Smile.
2: And I don't like prefer this version of the Smile one, but I think I'll listen to it more, but it's just different. Like you're in different moods for different, it's what we're saying about this isn't like a replacement to Smile or an alternate kind of, it's just the step afterwards and you can choose, you can listen to both versions and get completely different things out of them. You don't need to put them against each other.
1: Well, before we move on from Vegetables, there is one more version we need to mention. And that's actually the first time this song was released. And it's by Laughing Gravy, A.K.A. Dean Torrance from Jan and Dean. I'm gonna
4: be my vegetables. I'm gonna chow down my vegetables. I love you most of all. My favorite vegetable.
1: It was released quietly on the White Whale label in 1967, and then additional backing vocals were overdubbed by Brian... Marilyn and diane in
4: 1971
2: yeah i just think it's funny that dean said that he sang on some of this mummy's most and we kind of thoroughly checked this we went through everywhere to see if we could find dean's voice in something I like to imagine that he was telling the truth, and he did, but as soon as he walked out the door, Brian was like, right, we record that, like, tape over it, we're not having another Barbaran. Um, so, so the, the the notable thing about it is it came out before Smiley Smile, and because of that, Dean put this thing on it that, like, said, from the album Smiley Smile, it was the first version of Vegetables to the public ever heard. Um, don't think many people bought it, but you know.
3: <laughs> yeah, the piano's kind of cool. That's, that's about, like, all I have to say about it. <laughs>
4: I know that he
1: sessions resumed at brian's house on the 19th with what they called the hawaiian song what do we know about these early sessions for hawaiian song was that just um rehearsals for little pad what's going on here
3: yeah i mean a lot of people thought this was like some lost outtake for a long time but it's just it's just what they were calling it maybe they didn't have the lyrics yet
2: yeah there's like four sessions from June 19 and June 20 and June 21, where it's called Hawaiian Song, and then June 28, if quite like a week later, where it's called Little Pad in Hawaii. Um, so, I guess maybe the lyrics and the intro, like, came later, and the verses. I like, I kind of think the, the verses are so similar to the chorus that they must have been done at the same time. But maybe lyrics were yeah. written. I don't know. There's not really much here. we just we're just guessing yeah. pretty much.
1: The song is built in three sections. So there's an intro verse that was tracked on Brian's detuned piano we just mentioned. Dennis yells, do it. And Mike sings the lead. While the rest of the group does kind of a laugh along, sing along in the back.
4: Do it! If I only had a little If I only had a little in
1: The other verses are almost as sparse. Brian holding chords on the organ while somebody else on the same track plays some marimba notes, most likely Dennis. And the part was given the vegetables treatment, as in one track with two sets of lyrics overdubbed to mix down separately. Carl sings the second verse, Brian sings the third, with a sawing wood sound effect also overdubbed onto Brian's part
4: by the sea that's where i'll build a pad in hawaii
1: and then the chorus section which has an organ two marimba parts claves and a lap steel guitar Uh, and it's not really clear who's playing what here besides Brian on the organ. It could be Brian or Dennis on the marimbas. And Brian once claimed that guitarist Al Vescovo, who worked on Friends, played the lap steel. And Vescovo said the same thing in an email to a fan, but his name doesn't appear on an AFM contract or any other documentation. So there's no way to really verify that. Maybe they both confused it for the similarly Hawaiian-flavored Diamond Head, which is possible. Mm. But it's a simple enough part that Carl could have done it, and a lap steel guitar could have easily been rented for the session. The vocals here are Brian, Al, Carl, and Mike in four-part harmony, some humming, some ooing. doubled, and on a third layer, Carl singing an extra harmony in the middle, while Brian triples Carl's old part. I guess it's that that extra part that catches my ear because it's singing like sixths and nines. Oh, yeah. It's It's right in the middle. Which is, it's really un-Brian, for one. It is, yeah. To have a part that kind of hangs out on those jazz notes. Yeah. But it feels appropriate for this song. And it it just sticks out to me because it's so un-Beach boysy
3: to have. On on the last chord, too, it's like... it's holding yep.
1: the sixth it's more yeah it's very it's very jazzy it's very beatlesy almost mm, yeah yeah it's like
3: uh it's like what the beatles did at the end of she loves you kind of <laughs>
1: yeah exactly there's uh yeah non-seventh chords it's just the nines and sixes so it's really cool
3: yeah i think it's a uh, kind of funny that he just did a, a third overdub to make it a five-part harmony instead of just using dennis right there
4: i know
2: and then uh and then brian so you've got so basically call is between carl and al doing another call. and then brian is tripling carl if that makes sense <laughs> and then the the bridge section as you might call it or part c uh,
1: is a triple tracked wordless carl over a ukulele which is my favorite part it's awesome <laughs>
2: it's so oh can you imagine that with like van dyke park's lyrics or something the melody is so and the chord Mm. progression is so so good but it's kind of better this way though
3: yeah i like how there's barely any lyrics um because then it, it kind of The way the lyrics build, like the first line is "If I only had a little pad," and then it's "Sure would like to have a little pad," and then it's "By the sea." It's like it's got some development, which is something that he doesn't usually have in his songs. Yeah, and uh, I think having one person sing each line helps. Yeah, exactly. The two other parts, the 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 humming with the lap steel and the the ukulele part with Carl, just so beautiful. I think. like, up until this point, he'd never really tried to make anything that sounded specifically Hawaiian. Like, he'd written songs about Hawaii, like, obviously, Hawaii. And then there's there's Do You Like Worms, kind of. Um, but this is kind of just going in another direction um, with that idea in mind that's just someone sitting there with a ukulele singing. Yeah, I wonder what inspired this, because he hadn't
1: been to Hawaii in a while yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean they obviously like as we'll find out later they they planned a, a live album in hawaii um
2: that's a good connection yeah actually, it's yeah.
1: interesting that his his head was in hawaii at this point
2: i mean my maybe it yeah. did come from smile you know maybe you did do you like Worms yeah down thinking i thinking mean, about hawaii but uh right mm-hmm. this is the first fully new song he's written in a while you know love to say dada comes from um, like December 66, kind of, and then Cocoa Water is the same, and You're With Me Tonight is kind of Vegetables, but this is the first new thing that he's, completely new piece of music that he's done in a really long time. I think it's the end of 66, uh, so this is definitely not Smile
3: anymore. This is a whole new project. Yeah, and it was written specifically for the style that it's recorded in because exactly, uh, yeah. Vegetables and Wonderful and Wind charms were initially written with a completely different style in mind. And now he's writing something that he knows will only be recorded in this kind of stripped-down manner that just highlights their vocals. Um, so it really works. I think this is maybe my favorite thing on the album out of the new stuff. I'm uh, yeah,
2: may- yeah, surprised maybe. we didn't
1: get any like fake Hawaiian singing on this. <laughs> like yeah. Brian did on, on Smile.
4: <laughs> Mahalalule, Mahalalule,
2: yeah there's that there's that theory we should probably address that like tune x was like like tones or tune x whatever you want to call it was where this came Mm. from but it's not really i mean yeah i never got that there is a tiny tiny connection there where like i think the verse of tones has the same progression as part of the chorus of this but it's played like over a different amount of measures and it's uh but that's like a very very vague connection like it's just the fact that you know right it's like brian has like a one four vamp and everything it's it's just that thing again it's not yeah it's 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 new music
3: really i love um i mean the verse and chorus kind of fit together right next to each other but then to get to the ukulele part there's that snapping which i love yeah
2: and then the monomix where it's kind of comes in a little bit fast i love that as well um Mm -hmm. but uh there's something that kind of reminds me of something else in smile like you know the music itself isn't the same but uh those verses, like what what else could you think of? It's got kind of like a droning kind of bass part and a mallets and then someone sawing. Like it's uh it feels very workshop to me, that one little verse.
3: Yeah, exactly. And uh also the other part reminds me of the the ukulele part just because of the chords. Yeah. So yeah. many six chords and nine chords.
2: Yeah. And on the whole mystery of who did the lap steel guitar, which I don't think we can ever really get an answer to, we can just kind of lay it out there. But uh, there's this 1995 record collector interview with Brian where that comes from, where uh, someone asked who played the guitar. He has this great quote where he says, uh, "It was was Al Vescovo, he was a great steel guitar player. His house burned down about 10 years ago, but it was made of wood, so no wonder. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, I I love him. Serves him right. But it could, yeah. have, been, could um, have been Carl, who knows. Same with the ukulele, uh, which I think was probably Carl as well, but Al said that uh, someone asked if Al played it on on Instagram, and Al just went, no, it was Tommy Tedesco. He was like, wait, that's another name we don't have anywhere, so where are you getting it from? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we'll never know the answer to that. I think it was probably was just the Beach Boys playing on this. The
1: next tune here is something abandoned way back in the Smile days. He gives speeches. It's now retitled, She's Going Bald. It's recorded in three sections, although... Instead of repeating a verse, chorus, bridge, it's more like a medley. Part one is the revised speeches, part two and three are new. In an unused first attempt at section one, Brian laid down a basic track on piano, just playing the bass line, and then he overdubbed congas and bongos with the help from Dennis. He soon abandoned this and tried another take, with the percussion as the basic track, extending the length to accommodate one more line of lyrics. The only other instrument overdubbed onto this section was the organ, now playing both the left-hand part and chords with the right hand.
3: Well, I think it's really funny that they took this song that was recorded like nine months prior or something, and is about something completely different but they just based this around the one line silken hair more silken hair fell on his face and no wind was blowing yeah
2: van dyke parks got a credit on it for some reason and uh we don't he denies that he wrote he gives speeches he definitely denies that he wrote she's going bald but uh that might be because they reused that one line if it was from van dyke parks it might not have been but that silken hair more thing yeah I, th- I just think it's hilarious that that original line is kind of like silken hair fell on his face and no one was blowing, which is kind of like a romantic image that's like two people being kind of close together but what mike took it and turned it into was it's just someone's hair falling out which is just uh, absolutely genius one, two,
4: three, four,
1: lead vocals here are shared by everyone except Carl. Brian sings the first two, Dennis the third, Al the fourth, and the last line is shared by Brian and Mike. Mike is also singing the bass response part after each line.
2: This is about. Um. <laughs> I mean,
1: let's I mean we should definitely bring up Dennis's interpretation. Oh, he said yeah. Oh, he yeah. took that song in a very strange way. I thought it was more or less about oral sex. You know, get a job, shana na 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 na. What a blow. And I thought, Jesus, that's funny as shit <laughs> Yeah. So Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, I mean I think it's very un Beach Boys in every way. You know, it's like perfectly oh, strange totally.
3: for this. Well yeah, what he's referencing there is like there's a song from the fifties where they they sing get a job and then they all go and that's kind of what they're doing here but they've changed it to what a blow.
4: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah,
3: huh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all the vocals on here. So there's um, Brian and Mike kind of did this two part backing vocal that's kind of reprised from several recordings over the smile sessions it's on yeah, like
2: speeches and smiley sunshine and then heroes yeah
3: my only sunshine and heroes and villains and then Bruce Johnston who was absent for all these sessions made a visit apparently because he sings on this as well he sings a little um, yeah we found Bruce yeah we
2: <laughs> discovered him <laughs> he is on smiley smile somewhere
3: yeah so he he and Al and, and Brian I think sing kind of this um, this harmony vocal to the lead and then Brian and Bruce kind of taped over some of the uh, the Brian and Mike parts themselves.
2: This was, yeah, this was very elaborate to find, because um, what you get is you get basically Brian and Mike singing this double track, but then one half of it, like one layer, was taped over with Brian and Bruce, but only after the first round, which gets very specific. But the only way we can explain it is we think, like Bruce walked in the room and Brian was like, right, great, Bruce is here. He hasn't been there for half a year. Let's get him to sing. Um, <laughs> but he's he's there yeah
3: this is also a, the the song that Bruce has praised the most from Smiley Smile which he loves Oh he always mentions it yeah
1: It's always interesting to me to hear Bruce talk about Smiley Smile cuz he wasn't that involved Yeah he's badly he on really be. it because his favorite like <laughs> Yeah I mean he he was kind of just a fan again at some point you know at some point here like yeah. he just he wasn't really doing much outside of the live shows he just kind of was doing his own thing so he probably got really pumped when he heard the playback of some of these tunes and
3: I mean, at, at this time, he uh, wasn't really sure about his future or how long he would be in the Beach Boys. So he was kind of trying, he was thinking about doing a solo album. Back in 1967.
2: There's this hilarious thing from 1972, you know, when he just left the band. He did a review in a newspaper for Carl and the Passions, and it's so strange. I just found this kind of recently. And he's talking about it like, I was only barely involved in this album, so I think I can talk about it at like a distance objectively. And he says some nice things, but he also kind of shits on some of it. And it's like, G- g- come on, Bruce. You're not like in this sort of objective observer that's not in the band. You were like working with them. You can't, you can't just talk about them like this. It's so weird. So, so yeah, so, so what they did at the end here, which is the famous um, high-pitched vocal thing, is uh, Steve Dasper was hired by the group at this time. He'd been mixing on the road, and he kind of helped engineer some of the Smiley sessions. Um, but he was kind of given this task to assemble this water keyboard that you could play notes on with water sounds, with using a chamberlain, which is like the American Mellotron, and he was... Um, I think it was, a, it was about this time that he was working on that for a Cool Cool Water version that never happened. But he basically had this machine that he borrowed from UCLA that was used for teaching. And it was like, kind of, it did something, what something called an Eltro did, which was uh, the Eltro ent- the information rate changer, which is a device that was used to like change the pitch of voices and recordings without changing the speed. So you can make something higher or lower without slowing it down or speeding it up. And it was used in films and like, uh, like Hal 9000's voice from 2001.
4: Open the pod bay doors, Hal i'm sorry dave i'm afraid i can't do that
2: but uh this this thing it's been called an Eltro, but i don't think it actually was steve Daspers kind of described it as this huge like five foot tall machine that was used for teaching at ucla that he kind of just borrowed because he saw it and uh, was interested in it so it was this giant sort of machine that raised the pitch of uh, or controlled the pitch of things without changing the speed of them and, uh, Steve brought it in the house to kind of, like, use it for this Chamberlain project where he could get the water drops and change the pitch of them using this, this machine to, you know, create musical notes so he could put them into the keyboard. And I guess, like, some of the Beach Boys kind of saw this thing and were curious about what it did, and they just put it on She's Gone Bold. So, at the end of it, the group, uh, Mike, sings that low bass part, and, uh it's al sings the high part and then brian in the middle and carl below sing that sort of like backing part of the end and then they doubled it kind of like slightly out of sync and what they did is they took the out of sync one the sort of second vocal and then made a copy of it like put it through this machine and raised the pitch steadily so it keeps going up and up and up and up and they get more kind of squeaky um yeah you know it's that's something that they could never have thought oh let's just do that it's only kind of a circumstance like you have this you have the thing in the house and you want to see what it does so
1: Section two plays out kind of like a radio drama where Brian illustrates a rising tension with diminished chords. Oh, yeah. Um, and then Al, Mike, Brian, then all three provide a narration. This part's hilarious.
0: It's so weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, I figured who better to ask about this part than uh, our very own Steve Bonilla.
0: I always thought She's Gone Bald was fairly straightforward, even though it's a very trippy song. And, I, I you know, it when it... Comes to, to this part of Brian's career, some of these sections, you know, it's hard to come up with names for what it is, and I don't think it's a bridge, but I, I, this is something else. It's like a side trip or a, a dramatic interlude with with music. So the piano part is start is playing ascending uh, diminished chords. Um, like the chords you find in Along Came Jones. That
4: said, Give me the deed to your ranch I'll blow you all to bits And then
0: he grabbed her
4: And then He tied her up And, and then, then He lift the fuse to the dynamite And, and then And then And then, and then, uh, and then Along Came
0: Jones But the narrators at that section are taking their cue from a different Coaster song uh, and that would be Little Egypt
4: she did a triple somersault and when she hit the ground She winked at the audience and then she turned around She had a picture of a cowboy tattooed on her spine Saying Phoenix, Arizona, 1949 Yeah, but let me tell you
0: people... So he, Brian sort of combined those two sort of middle sections of those coasters hits and, and made them one part. She drew a
2: across her scalp and brushed what she had left. I tried to salvage what I could and threw it in a sack. She made it
4: be to a room and grabbed all kind of juice. She started pouring it on her head and thought it'd grow it back.
3: So there's like on so many of the smile sessions, there's like all this laughter. And it's always Brian just getting everyone to laugh and kind of do this forced laughter. But it's kind of all over smiley smile in a different way. Oh Where yeah! You can actually tell that they're having fun together. Actually, like genuinely laughing at these things because it's funny. Yeah, like, it
1: feels very. It feels very lighthearted, and and um, like they're just kind of having fun.
3: <laughs> the first time I put this on, like as soon as the vocals started speeding up, my friend looked at me and was just like, "Uh, John, what's happening?" Yeah, it's <laughs> really strange. Like that? <laughs>
1: Among other tunes, when I play this one, um, around. My wife, who loves most of the Beach Boys music, but she says like this definitely sounds like somebody that's insane. Like whoever made this is absolutely off the rocker. It's partially true, but mostly just you know guys that were having fun, like experimenting in the studio. I mean, it's they didn't have like you know a lot of the pressures were off of them at this point, and they just were just having fun. Uh, section 3 begins with Brian laying down a lone piano track And he overdubbed some high triplets on a second piano Electric guitar and bass, most likely by Carl and himself And finally an upright bass Which could be Chuck Berghofer, who played
2: on a lot of the Smile stuff It could be a Beach Boy as well, but we're not sure
3: Yeah, his name's on a contract for Hawaiian song But there's no upright bass on that song So could be like at a session for Little Pad that he added this
2: Yeah, and that second piano's got kind of some distortion on it. It's like the microphone's way too close, so it gets a cool effect. Yeah, uh, it doesn't sound like a piano. <laughs> and, yeah,
3: but uh, it's it's bluesy. Bruce called this like the the Lieber and Stoller section.
0: Mike and his Lieber and Stoller uh, sensibility of songwriting and Chuck Berry. He's got the end uh, th- this lyric at the end of "She's Going Bald." He uh, uh, <laughs> he goes. He writes. It goes. Uh, It's too late, mama, there's nothing upside your head. And the band goes, no hair, no hair, no hair. And she's going bald. It's great Libra and Solar humor. This is kind of
2: like, I know uh, Getting Hungry gets mentioned as kind of the move towards Wild Honey, but I think this feels kind of Wild Honey. And I know the way it's recorded, but the songwriting of it. Yeah, for sure. And there's something really interesting in the session for that as well where Brian is putting down the basic track on piano and he tells the engineer that this is just for rhythm and and we're not going to use it. So what he's basically doing there is, I mean, he did use this one, but it kind of became a thing later on where he would, he was starting to set down like piano tracks as like a click track where they do other things on top of it for rhythm and then not use the piano in the mix, which is a really, really interesting concept. He's like kind of like using a click before it was even a thing just by playing piano and then like muting the piano. Um, and that's what he says he's going to do here but he did use it it's just kind of it's interesting that he's come up with that kind of production technique to base everything around his own instruments kind of and uh they're one of the vocals i think You
4: mama.
1: Yeah, we get to hear Mike sing falsetto here, which is awesome.
2: Yeah, like a falsetto ish kind of line. And then Although the, it's
1: doubled with Brian, so. Give, um, yeah, back him up a little bit. Yeah, but it sounds cool.
3: Yeah.
2: The backing vocals are everybody except Dennis again.
4: you too late, mama. Enough love,
2: Yeah. It's very uh, like back and forth kind of changing like you know the first section has no Carl and there's like a kind of Bruce cameo and then this one's got no Dennis so... um,
1: Dennis was going through some personal stuff at this time so might be why he wasn't at all these. Yeah that's a good point.
2: Going through a divorce. This is the only time that Carl wasn't on something but Dennis is still not on quite a lot.
3: Yeah.
0: right before it fades out there's a there's a there's a real bluesy piano figure it's not it's not hard to play but it's definitely coming from a a boogie-woogie blues uh, feel and that that that's sort of un-Brian like uh, Brian you know has his poundy style and he likes to play triplets or eighth notes in the right hand he doesn't doesn't play jammy licks as a rule and yesterday I just thought wait a minute and i th- I thought maybe he's making a reference to my obsession uh, the instrumental and and Ian Stewart's just just jamming all the way through it, just all kinds of, just thrown in every lick in the book, uh, and he, it, so, you know, Brian was evidently there at the at the tracking session or the mixdown. I'm not I'm not sure which, but you know, within the first fifteen seconds, Ian Stewart's playing that riff that Brian's um, sort of quoting at that very fade, and it's interesting because I you know Brian talks about my obsession as being one of his just just loving that track and it's his favorite stone track and and it's it's hard to find direct influences where whereas be my baby you can go on all day long about the be my baby chords and the the little counterpoint melodies and that Brian has used all just all over the place but for a song that he that he that he's really jazzed about, um, you know that he talks about, um, there are not that many um, things you can point to and say, yeah, definitely that there. There's my obsession right there, but I I, I really I really do think that's that's a little. He got something from being there that night. Uh, he he got a few more little things for his piano lick toolbox there were two sessions on june 25th and june 26th
2: for something called good time mama and there is no tape box or even you know anything for a song called good time mama so i think the most popular theory is that that was probably like some kind of working title for she's gone bald because there isn't really anything else that could explain it i mean what else would that be like they sing kind of a similar kind of line in the end of this so um i can see how you know That that might have been that, and they might have been recording this at the Little Pad sessions at the same time, just not writing it down. And then on July 5th, there was one more session that was called Untitled One, and then in brackets, She's Gone Bald. So the title was around for that by then. Uh, So the recording dates, like more than I think anything else in Smiley Smile, are kind of murky for when this song was done. But I think it was probably like the second thing after Little Pad that they did. It's amazing to me how fast they got this album done and oh yeah yeah
1: mixed and artwork and release like they were just absolutely scrambling to get this thing out anyway at the very next session brian introduced another new song adapted from discarded smile material this time rising from the ashes of mrs o'leary's cow aka fire long-windedly titled fall breaks and back to winter woody woodpecker symphony (laughs) It's more or less an instrumental, vocals but no lyrics, cycling repeatedly through a friendlier adaptation of the fire motif. Brian built this up himself, starting with organ and then overdubbing the bass pedals. Fall Breaks was the first of a few smiley songs to feature melodica, and there are two parts, with one incorporating the Woody Woodpecker cartoon theme from which the track derives its subtitle, Percussion sounds played by members of the group include some kind of woodblock, a triangle, a break drum, and rattling cutlery, and then a very strange low grunting noise that I think Will has more info on than me.
2: Yeah, so there's one sound on here that uh, is kind of a mystery, and I'll t- like I'll tell you how I think I figured out what it is. I was listening for some reason to Stephen Kalinich's poetry album. Uh, I know, it's not something that you should do very often, but I was doing it. And uh, there's a track called The Deer, the Elk and the Raven, which is what I had to try and find before I talk about this. And there's this sound in the background, and I'm like going, what the hell is that? It's this kind of like droning sound, and it was so strange. And then at one point you hear a dog barking, like Banana or Louie. And I was like, oh, hang on a second, that's a dog toy. That's like one of those ducks. And there's a frog, like the squeezy things. And then suddenly my brain made the connection that's what's on full breaks and back to winter it's like one of those pig dog toys or something like that there's little sort of squeezy dog toys and when they decompress um like the, the air passes through them and it goes like oh <laughs> you know so i'm sure that's what that is i'm sure that's what the grunting noise is it's not a voice it's not mic it's not slowed down and it's not a conventional instrument i'm so sure that's a dog toy that brian had in the house that he, <laughs> he used as a sound effect on full Breaks. I'm, absolutely like I'm 95% sure that that's what that is (laughs) I believe it I'll never make a more important discovery than this in in Beach Boys things
1: John do you want to talk about the vocals here
3: well it's it's the bass line from from fire which was played by three different bassists Um, so that harmony is kind of redone here with the vocals and it's it's Brian singing the top part Mike singing the low part and then Carl and Al are singing together in the middle uh, no Dennis again but it's kind of the chords here are a little softer like the first chord is is just as dissonant but then it resolves on the second chord to so like a very consonant sounding major chord which is not what fire did but even on that dissonant chord like no one but the beach boys can make dissonant sounds so so pretty the way they kind of move in and out of those notes and i think it's it's really nice and I love how they, how they put these vocals on fire for the smile sessions. I think it's a perfect fit.
1: That was a really well done kind of mashup. Enjoyed that.
2: Yeah, Brian was uh, listening back to the fire um, thing when they were doing like the 2004 like kind of rehearsals and Brian just started singing along and they were like, oh, hang on a second. Um, we could do that. And then they did. And, you know, fire might have... Been planning to have these vocals in the first place, or maybe not, but Brian's the one who made that connection, which is pretty cool.
3: Yeah, because he was probably just kind of remembering the similarities. It's great. But there's that kind of bass lick at the end of each round in Fire,
2: which is really interesting. It's like this chromatic thing where it goes. Yeah. Then what Four Breaks has done, it's kind of like... uh, It's like the same thing kind of in reverse, but the whole bass line is that instead of it being the, the what became the vocal riff. It's a really interesting kind of like reframing of these ideas. Yeah. Um, and
3: I made a very strange connection with this one um, and the Christmas album Oh, okay. <laughs> on, uh, <laughs> on their version of uh, Frosty the Snowman. The orchestra plays this riff Im- like before the vocals come in, pretty much copied exactly here for the bass line. Really cool. I don't. I don't know if that was an intentional or uh, if he was just thinking about that, or if it was just kind of in the back of his mind. Subconscious,
2: but, but yeah, that's too close to come to not come from there. I think.
3: <laughs> yeah, and then the melodicas here. Oh, the melodica. It's finally. It's like yeah. um, you know, birds chirping. It's just these very staccato, random notes almost. And then, of course, one of them plays like the Woody Woodpecker theme. <laughs>
2: It's uh, Melodica, you know, when people talk about Smiley Smile, they say, like, Baldwin Orkin and dJ and Piano, but they don't mention the Melodica, which Brian got kind of into for some reason when he was doing this album.
3: I don't know why, uh, like, where where did he get one? Or, like, I what don't know, prompted him to buy one?
2: You know that 1968 interview with Jamaica Highwater where he's talking to Brian, and at the start of the interview where he's kind of listing off, like, uh, the date and stuff, and what he's doing. You can hear someone, one of the Beach Boys, in the background, like messing around on, on a melodica, which I just thought, hey, it's the oh, same Oh, I've one. never, uh, <laughs> I've never
4: noticed yeah. <laughs> that. We're gonna, uh, on Wendy, <laughs> Ryan Wilson uh, the Beach Boys no, no, at his no, home no, in Bel no, Air, California. You know, Interviewed January eleventh, nineteen
2: sixty-eight. <laughs> what an interesting kind of track.
1: Yeah, it's track three on the album too. It's really strange what yeah. is the sequence like, in as well not like yeah. a transition between side a and b or anything it's just like here it is no. <laughs> boom yeah <laughs> like, the, probably the strangest yeah. thing on the album
3: yeah i love how side one is sequenced it's just it's just kind of a, a descent into weirdness like yeah. you start off with oh, heroes yeah. and villains which is somewhat normal mm. and you get vegetables and then you're thrown that into bass this, note, <laughs> and then the next and then the next song you, you get is she's going bald it just gets weirder and weirder
2: and the little pad kind of like you know calms you down and like says it's okay it's fine <laughs> you're gonna
3: it's, yeah it's all gonna be fine and uh on this song okay i love the i love the mix on sunshine tomorrow where they kind of slowly bring in each instrument oh that's pretty but cool but that's yeah yeah it's not something that brian really did though like as soon as you as soon as the song starts playing you're just hit with everything at once mm. and it's only later like in the, on the second chord where things kind of slow down and you could hear all the individual parts Brian said
1: That was sort of a song about a cold winter scene We tried to paint a picture of winter And then spring, late summer And then broke into winter We used the Woody Woodpecker theme Because it was descriptive to us Of spring and summer
2: It feels autumn to me it feels very autumn to It
1: feels autumn to me, but I mean I think I, I don't get the whole like four seasons thing going
3: on. No yeah because it's not a very dynamic um, Track I mean it's the same thing All the way through
1: It definitely has... I mean, I definitely know the Woody Woodpecker theme,
2: so it definitely sticks out to me. Yeah, Um, which was in Surf's Up as well. Yep. And with that, that horn part. Kind of interesting.
1: All right, back at it on the very next day, June 30th. Whatever the plan was with you're with me tonight in early june it is now a full song with a shortened title the chord progression now is completely revamped and the arrangement shifted from a
3: big group chant to a quiet
1: whispery bed of harmonies
3: the earlier versions that were called you're with me tonight were obviously based on vegetables because it was just kind of a riff on that but this is completely revamped and now there's all these extra chords and I don't know, those other versions as well are, are really short and are just kind of, like, samey throughout. And this has really got a lot of um, dynamics, like the group sing really soft and then they get real loud.
2: Yeah, it's more of a song, even though the lyrics are still very kind of simple. <laughs> yeah, it's just one line. Just goes to more places.
3: Yeah, but then they, they sing back and forth, they sing uh, On and On She Goes, and then they sing On and On You Go.
2: Oh yeah, I didn't um, catch that. Which is,
3: which is interesting. I'm not sure exactly what that means (laughs) or why they keep switching back and forth.
2: Yeah, it's very very churchy. It reminds me of that good good vibration section. Um, Yeah,
3: and this is Brian actually doing what he said he was going to do on She's Going Bald, which is just recording a piano just to use for rhythm, just kind of as a reference and then not using it in the actual song.
1: And of course, Brian overdubbed his hymnal Baldwin organ.
3: Yeah, and I I think hymnal is a good word to describe it because it's it's very soft and very churchy. It's kinda of like the uh the Good Vibrations Bridge or Our Prayer or something.
4: Yeah, so
2: so what Brian did here was uh we think maybe July 6th, we're not really sure because there's this untitled session with uh with the three re- relevant people on it but it might not have been we just don't really know with a lot of smiley smile um, but at, at some point Brian went and like re-recorded the intro by itself um, just with Brian uh, singing the top part Carl in the middle and then Al on the bottom part just a very simple kind of three part version and uh, then they did quite a lot of takes to get this right quite a, quite a lot of it's bootlegs. and uh, this is where Brian's famous sing that with a smile instruction comes from uh- yeah, and this is the one where Brian's friend Arnie Geller, at the end of the, the last take, when they finally get it, he goes, good, And uh, at the end of the take. And Brian thought it was so funny that he decided to splice it in the song. He didn't just leave it in, he kind of made a little kind of an edit to make it sure it was on beat. When he caught the, it into this intro, and I uh, mentioned it on the radio.
1: Naturally, they doubled the backing vocal, and then Carl laid down his lead vocal.
2: in the 2012 stereo mix they kind of messed up because they used the original intro just mixing a acapella with that good section mixed in where um, they they used the wrong intro for the for the start of the song um which is kind of cool that we did get that full original intro before it was replaced but uh, If you're wondering why it sounds so different, it's because it's a completely different recorder.
3: Yeah, I love Carl's uh, lead vocal here as well. Oh yeah, very goldenly nose. And then the ending, too, where he gets, he slows down and just literally whispers the last lines, I know.
4: It's beautiful.
3: Yeah.
1: If there's one track from these sessions that completely dispels the notion that Smiley Smile was... A watered down smile salvage job, it's wind chimes. On July 10th and 11th, the group revised and restructured this familiar tune in three sections two consecutive verses, a bridge, and then a tag. The first half of the song has now been completely transformed and reimagined to sit comfortably now in the smiley setting. Brian begins by laying down a very loose piano with fluid tempo expanded to encompass a more elaborate chord progression. This piano track would be discarded in the final mix and appears only as a guide. The vocals are all over the place. They sound almost improvised at times, but they are very carefully arranged. The lyrics have been reconstructed and expanded to include a new final line.
4: It's a so peaceful close to a lullaby. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Shit on a stick. That was
1: pretty- all right, John. Walk us through some of this vocal arrangement.
3: I mean, the reason I think this is just not a simplified, watered-down version of the smile track is because everything is is expanded in this one. It's, it's not simplified. Um, like in the original wind chimes, it was just Carl Wilson singing the lead and doubling it. And um, here, it's it's actually all five members of the group. They all kind of take turns on the lines and the those response parts where they all sing wind chimes in kind of like a creepy high, high pitched uh sort of broken harmony it it sounds like improvised right it sounds just like random uh just completely random but this stuff is they double tracked it sometimes specifically whenever the words uh wind chimes come up so it's it's all carefully arranged chaos kind of which is i, th- I think we'll use that to describe fire but it's in a completely different way.
4: Now when then a tear rolls up my she on a warm priest of little bell tinkle Tinker Linch.
2: Close your eyes. I did um to figure out because it's there's so many there's so many trading lines and stuff and there's some slight mm-hmm. differences when they doubled it. I've <laughs> I put together this like insane table, um, so you can figure out exactly who's singing each individual line. i uh, should probably put up on the Facebook or something in the comments
3: <laughs> when we we'll post yeah, this episode. Yeah, let's put that mm-hmm. fun Somewhere. stuff.
2: It's a good, it's a good table. <laughs> if you want to understand what the hell's happening in wind chimes.
3: Yeah, and then the the sound of this is really cool because he recorded it on a piano, like he did most of these. But you can't hear it in the song. It was just for a guide, but. Um, The main instrument here is is the organ, which he overdubbed, just kind of holding the chords. Um, And then there's some really cool sounds in the background. It sounds like a harp or something, but I think what he's actually doing is like plucking the strings of his piano. Kind of like, you still believe in me, but without the sustain pedal. Yeah, he did that twice, so there's two layers of that going on. Yeah, and and the high notes really sound like, like metal or something. Like wind chimes tinkling, but then... I thought there were wind chimes for a while. Yeah. Yeah, me too but then there's also some actual wind chimes on the track some like wooden clanking in, in the middle of the song
1: and then there's also the uh, dissonant delayed melodic accord super right, strange or, creepy
3: it just sounds like he's holding down all the notes right
1: um yeah this is such a weird arrangement
3: I love that. It's like a jump that scare. Effect. That's that's pretty.
2: I mean, it's it's pretty clever. You know the way the delay effect turns into kind of a laughter.
3: I don't know. It's scary. It's it's not like the soft, uh, ballad that it was on Smile. At least for the first half.
1: Yeah, it's really scary because, also, it feels like they're right inside your head, and it's very unsettling at times. This this is the. <laughs> scariest song the Beach Boys ever did yeah. I remember hearing it in a record store one time and I've heard it a million times but like I was in a record store and this song came on and, and people were just looking around like what is this <laughs> <laughs> this is a horror show it's so weird yeah this is I've, n- I've never
3: heard like anything from this album being played out in public, besides that's the you know, thing that was so weird. I was like, films. why would
1: somebody play this in a record store? But like, it kind of, but it would <laughs> be know.
2: in some scenario because it was the B side of Wild Honey for some reason. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, that that's a weird yeah. choice. I think this is uh, it's definitely one of the standouts Standouts of the album, it's the one that gets mentioned quite a lot. And uh, I think it was Dennis who said that when they did this, they were kind of like daring other people to try and copy them because people just don't make music like that or sing like that. <laughs> There's nothing else like Smiley Wind Chimes, and I think it's uh. I don't like comparing the Smile and Smiley versions because I think they're both, you know, all of the songs have their own merits in in each version and they shouldn't really be compared to each other because they're not trying to do the same things. But uh, Wind Chimes and Smiley, when I think of Wind Chimes, I think of the Smiley Smile version. That's kind of the one in my head. It's... uh,
3: Oh, yeah, me too.
1: Let's move on to part two, which is a new bridge. This time, Brian lays down the guide piano as well as a guide vocal track for the group to follow.
4: Four. Oh, when tingling, tingling, tingling,
1: tingling. Then in turn, Mike, followed by Brian, Carl, and Dennis, replaced Brian's guide vocal. Four. which is a breaking point when Dennis and his Yogi Bear voice goes into slow motion.
2: Yeah, Brian called that the Yogi Bear part, which I thought was great. I mean, it sounds kind of like the tape slowing down, but it's not. He's just getting close to the mic and, you know, singing it deep. But uh, there's a quote from, quote from Brian where he talks about, that was his, uh, he thought that was the funniest part on the album and described it as the Yogi Bear thing. I was like, that's great. So <laughs> that's, that's what that's <laughs> supposed to be.
1: <laughs> I, I don't know. I think this is a great kind of Brian Carl Dennis moment. It's just one of those things that you don't hear a lot of on smile and pet sounds where they're like kind of echoing each other i don't know i just think it's really sweet
3: yeah yeah they do that all over this album where it's you can hear each individual voice kind of um you know soloed on its own instead of everyone singing at the same time And i love how the how the reverb like slowly creeps in uh, in the mono mix
4: yeah,
1: I like that. Dennis is very prominent on uh, on a lot of these tracks. You can hear his vocal even in like the stack and stuff. It's pretty loud, and um, yeah. we haven't really heard a lot of Dennis in a while, and it's nice because it, it shows like kind of the the maturation of his voice too like he's starting to sound like dennis like he's starting to sound like you know the dennis from the you know early 70s like when he when he was kind of at his peak creatively and stuff and i yeah, just I mean, gets me excited well, <clears throat> gets well, me well, excited for that so i'm turning into dennis myself well he's excited. gonna
2: vanish for wild <clears> honey <throat> later in hawaii but then you know <laughs> so enjoy him well here.
1: yeah right <clears throat> dennis is Aged twice as fast as the other Beach Boys. Like, I don't know what is (laughs) going on. I mean, I do know what's going on, but God, it's just crazy. This dude's like, (laughs) what, 22 years old and he sounds like 40. So, but.
3: Yeah, I think I've uh, said this before, but Smiley Smile to me is kind of when Carl and Dennis started sounding really good. Yeah, yeah. And I think Brian realized that and that's part of the reason why you can hear all the individual voices in these little moments. And yeah, I mean he didn't have any lead vocals on summer days or pet sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is kind of the first prominent Dennis voice since you know, in the back of my mind.
1: So there's a turnaround that's uh almost a cappella. It relieves the tension, carries us into the finale with Al singing the high lead melody, which I, I always thought was Brian. I guess without really thinking too much about it, but that happens all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Al sounds awesome here. It's such a relief after hearing all that spooky stuff to kind of have this more traditional harmony arrangement. It's just a great sound. Yeah. Brian was very selective about certain parts that were getting doubled in the song, which is interesting.
2: Well, yeah, something I wanted to touch on It's kind of just an interesting kind of production detail thing that by sort of Pet Sounds and Summer Days and Today and stuff, you know, the practice was just double everything, you know, was double track all the vocals. And then in Smile, it started to fall away from that a little bit. It was kind of uh, a little bit more creative with the double tracking usage. And then when you get to Smiley Smile, he's getting really, especially in Wind Chimes, he's really getting kind of selective with, with, uh which vocals are doubled like you know all the backing vocals are doubled but Al's not doubled and then Carl like double tracks is tingling part but it's just Carl that does that none of the others do um kind of it's not very important but it's just an interesting way that Brian's production is kind of evolving here and uh it's also kind of uh the, the way that Brian laid down a guide track for this was singing it live and properly recording that vocal that's pretty interesting as well because he, d- he didn't do that very often but I think uh, John pointed out when we were kind of going through all this that the reason he did that is probably because the piano by itself wouldn't really guide the vocals because it's kind of, you know, just random chords, there's no real steady beat. So they needed Brian's voice to kind of sing along to instead of tempo.
4: Hmm.
3: Yeah, but I think that doubling thing is, is uh, you know, another reason why when people say this stuff is just a really sloppy, thrown together version of Smile, this stuff, he was extremely picky oh, when yeah. he was recording it. Is very very careful about what was doubled, what wasn't, and what sounded like what. So,
1: yeah, it's sort of like using doubling as more of an effect.
2: Um, yeah, it's not just the to, way that to, they do vocals anymore. It's more kind of a right. A it's not just tool. the
1: yeah. the. It's, yeah, it's not just the standard for recording a vocal. It's it's now the standard is single tracked, and then to create some sort of um, emphasis, you can double vocals and it's pretty cool. I mean, obviously that's something that people do a lot now, but I think for Brian, it was a cool way to experiment with um, recording, especially now that he has an eight track at home. It's kind
2: of nice. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the other thing here, this is probably more John territory, but that kind of turnaround section at the end, we're going to go into a section that's very familiar in a minute. And that kind of section at the end... Is, uh, it starts and ends in the same way as that little piano bridge in *Holidays*, in terms of what the equivalent of the chords would be. Mm. But it gets there in a kind of a different way. So, we, you know, it's, re- it's not just the fade of uh, it's not just the fade of *Holidays* that you repurposed for this song, which we're going to talk about in a sec. It's also that little part before it.
4: Yeah. Al, would you stand by the door, please? Wind chimes. Fade sequence.
2: Take one. One, two, three.
3: You know why you were saying this but the way it comes out of such a scary dissonant song with this beautiful acapella harmony i think it's mm. i think the music does kind of reflect his feelings around this time like you can hear that in a lot of these uh these smiley smile versions just the comfort and uh you know all these songs are so dynamic i think i think it was tony asher who maybe said that pet sounds songs don't really tell a story but they kind of capture one moment in time and smiley smile kind of does the opposite um because even a song with little pad to, with where the lyrics change in in all the verses they all tell stories they all have kind of a very different beginning than they do an end
2: yeah i mean maybe not full breaks but you know um <laughs> she's gone both definitely that's yeah yeah
3: or, or whistle in
2: <laughs> yeah, not, that's, yeah that's yeah that's really true of wind chimes i think it's kind of this sort of it starts in this um well the lyrics for wind chimes were always kind of a little bit off-putting There was always kind of like creeping paranoia going on underneath them. But this one kind of starts in that really heavily laying that on, in that sort of um that mood and then it's kind of a journey to something much more kind of peaceful and blissful. Which
4: is Yeah, it's the of opposite
3: it. of the smile version which which started as this soft um soft ballad and then kind of exploded into these uh loud vocals with horns. This this kind of does the opposite. Where yeah. Yeah. You end with with that peacefulness.
1: Yeah, at the end we're back into an adaptation of the Holidays Fade music, also the um, progression that we've heard a few other times here and there the last year and a half. This was recorded several times before they arrived at the final version.
2: The order that Brian recorded this in, he began it with one of the versions of the Fade because... You know, it starts on C-sharp and then it's got that key change into D, like he was kind of expecting the rest of the song to go a different way to get there. Um, So the order he actually recorded these different parts in, because there were a few versions. The fast one with Dennis singing lead was uh, done first, then he did that very slow, kind of bootlegged, um, delayed harpsichord version, then he did the main song, then he went back to the fade with Mike singing lead, just in the key of D. So that's kind of the order that he did all this stuff in.
3: Yeah, so so the first version of this, the one with Dennis, um, is the one that's on "Sunshine Tomorrow." Um, I thought it was Mike singing it because he sounds just so much like Mike for a long time, um, but no, it's Dennis. Um, it kind of it has this key change in the beginning, so you can tell he wasn't exactly sure, probably how the main section would go, because he first thing he did for Wind Chimes was just this fade out from from Holidays. So he did that, and then um, Brian and Al. Kind of did all the all the backing vocals, and then that that one, the the second version that he did, was so much slower, and didn't get any vocals overdubbed on it, and it's just on bootlegs as well, but it's got this delay effect, kind of this echo in another channel, and it, I think it sounds really beautiful. It's really somber. I kind of wish yeah. they used something like that, but. so then the the final version he did after the um, the main section of the song uh, he recorded it in a really weird way um, because instead of recording any kind of guide or reference you know using his piano or his organ or something he just had Mike sing into a, uh, a microphone just uh, alone like the slow lead vocal on a song yeah and Brian was just kind of snapping along to give him some tempo
4: whisper
3: and then he uh he overdubbed his like harpsichord keyboard on top of that which is a really weird un brian way of doing things yeah and uh you
2: can hear on the session as well dennis is like kind of about to walk out the room and he asks when he'll be needed to do his part because uh Brian, this wasn't very long after the other one. And Brian tells him, like, come back in five minutes,
3: but Dennis doesn't sing on it, so <laughs> he didn't come back. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Mike redid his, his lead and double-tracked it, and then Brian and Al do all the, uh, the background harmonies, which are all kind of repurposed from the first version of this fade.
2: they mixed it, they mixed it pretty much a cappella, just with the harpsichord kind of in deep reverb, kind of brought up at the very end of each phrase for a little kind of twinkle, which is pretty cool.
3: You can barely hear it. You, I always have to turn it all the way up whenever this part comes on. But I think it's just a really beautiful way to end the song.
2: Have I said that, um, I think I said at one point that the children were raised for Heroes and Villains was my favorite thing from all the smile, and smiley smile. Um, I lied. This is, I think. <laughs> this is this is my favorite piece of music from like this whole kind of era. Um, by far, I think. Yeah. Is, yeah I, no I'd contest. <laughs> say
3: it's my favorite from smiley smile. I don't know about smile, but... Oh, it is for me too.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's just really it's got a really kind of magical feeling to it. And those vocals are Yeah, just, I mean
1: it's it's yeah. an awesome awesome arrangement. And yeah, it's so it every time I hear Holidays I'm I'm like I want this. <laughs> yeah,
2: you know, so it's just so kind of magical and wistful. Like the simplicity of it, just the lyric is like whispering winds that my wind chimes tinkle tinkling and that's it. And it's just yeah, mm-hmm. it's a really special kind of feeling. They got in this one, yeah, exactly. Nobody else. It could sounds do this. especially good.
3: Yeah, no other group. Yeah, it could sounds do especially this. good coming out of the the weird main part of the song.
1: People said that Brian wasn't doing a dynamic work anymore, and this I don't know how much more dynamic you can get than this. I mean, exactly. Dy- dynamic doesn't just mean like loud and soft; it means changing moods, swings yeah. in direction like this. I mean, it's pretty astounding that this is one song.
3: Yeah, and I think. um I think that kind of criticism of smiley smile that it's not dynamic just comes from the arrangements because they're all sort of soft vocals and um, sparse instruments with uh, with organ and piano. But I think yeah. it's it's more impressive that with just kind of the same stuff used on every song just recorded in a living room that they were able to get such range out of this material and such different sounds.
1: Having scrapped three entire versions of Wonderful, which at least two were very, very good and worthy of release, um, on July 12th, Brian finally recorded the song in a way that satisfied him, continuing this trend of each subsequent incarnation, lowering the key from the last. This one is now in F-sharp, seemingly bringing the melody down to the very bottom of Carl's vocal range. Brian again builds this track, starting with his piano. Now with a new and interesting left-hand part that often will give more haziness to the tonal center of the right-hand chords. The new structure runs through three normal verses of Wonderful, then diverts into a bridge, a short version of the Gold Star Vegetables fade, played in the style of the heroes and villains bicycle rider chant. Then back to the verse. Uniquely, this track wasn't recorded in sections, but now it's a whole piece of music. What a concept. A few sparse instrumental overdubs are added, presumably all Brian. The Baldwin organ, a Celeste, what sounds like a concert bass drum, and melodica. yeah this this kind of reminds me of something that we talked about in the early the first version of wonderful like where there's sort of like this maybe deliberate childlike quality to the performance what do you guys think
3: yeah i think um i think that's spot on i think um in that first version he kind of had the trumpet player miss every note when he came in initially kind of like a a kid learning to play an instrument Mm. um and he just takes that to the next level here where he has uh a choles and a uh, and a melodica uh kind of being known for like lullaby type children's songs and melodica just being a really like childish instrument that you'd get a kid he just hasn't playing random notes so it's like um it's like that concept is just being taken to the next level here,
2: yeah the way I kind of hear it it's kind of like you know like at a school if a load of kids are in a room with, mu- with random musical instruments they'll start doing stuff like that kind of it's just completely random notes I think they were, that was probably yeah. the last thing to yeah be and out. then
3: there's like a random drum hit in the background oh, Two random drums just hits. sound like I found a second one yeah but two yeah it's well, 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 oh. well I'm gonna
2: spend this last someone hits a random <laughs> drum uh, twice yeah it is kind of <laughs> like when
3: you walk into the band room in a school
4: she belongs there left with her Stays in
1: the... Carl's singing almost in a whispering tone at parts of this and this crazy low key that this is in now is very strange. It's amazing that Carl has that kind of range in the first place. But it does seem like Brian was like, what's the lowest note you can comfortably sing? Okay, now it's an F sharp, you know? <laughs> like,
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's exactly what happened. Maybe he got on like early in the morning so he could kind of <laughs> hit that part of his range. But yeah, new for Carl and also I don't think he ever sang this low again. That's just not where his voice is.
1: Yeah.
2: It's so bizarre that Brian kept doing this with "Wonderful" of all songs. Like every single time he did something with it, he changed the key, and it was always going down. Like when he did that first track, it was like E flat. Then he sl- um, slowed it down to the vocals in D flat. Then it was in uh, B flat or whatever. Then it was A. Now it's an F sharp. It's just why does it keep going down and down and down every single time he does the song? It's kind of uh, interesting psychologically what the hell what he was doing
1: there. Again with the kind of random, seemingly random doubling of the vocal here
2: oh that's really bizarre yeah carl Carl double tracks his voice but on only a few words in the first half of the song um and i I kind of went through and marked out which ones they are and it's not like he's even even double tracking whole lines or there's any pattern to it it's just completely random words like he sings uh she be just not even the whole word just Mm. the first syllable and then laughs and stays in the and then "New how and then god and then mother and father and then one one wonderful and that's it that's the only part you doubled it's really unusual
1: did you put all the doubled words together and I did and decode yeah. the secret message or what <laughs> it doesn't make a <laughs> sentence <laughs> I know um,
3: yeah some of this stuff we've talked about he's like kind of whisper singing but at the end he literally just like gets real close to the microphone and whispers I think it sounds pretty cool
4: yeah yeah
3: I think it's important to bring up kind of a lesser known fact about this song is the first time when the refrain comes around and uh, you hear the words one, 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 wonderful. Um, a lot of people thought that that was the honeys sped up or maybe the beach boys beating their voices up, but no, yeah. Brian actually hired the uh, Jimmy Joyce children's choir to uh, yeah. <laughs> to sing that.
2: Genius. On the capital worksheet for that session, um, Jimmy Joyce's name shows up, and obviously, Jimmy Joyce is the guy who had the children's chorus, who did some things with like Doris Day and that sort of thing. So Brian genuinely got kind of like a children's choir to <laughs> to sing that one line. It's just a three part harmony, and then in the second and third verses, you can kind of hear them like kind of giggling and running around in the background. Um, very unusual
3: and creative <laughs> I guess
2: <laughs> That he'd hire a whole yeah, group of kids I mean, to sing one line and
3: then just laugh um, yeah but it's it shows you how far he wanted to go to create this sort of uh, this atmosphere because you've got the weird instruments in the background and then the kids running around
2: exactly yeah the kids could be the ones playing those instruments I mean they're not but it sounds like they, they are um,
3: yeah
1: so a quick turnaround section sung by Carl and Brian in unison So the vocals on the bridge, Al is doing a scat lead and Mike is singing kind of a doo-wop part. They both carry over from the previous arrangements recorded separately. But on top of that, there are some other things going on. So Carl and Mike are in the background laughing and Brian and Al are working through sort of a bizarre seemingly drug influenced skit. I, I've never could tell what was going on here. So I'm glad that I have. <laughs> oh, I transcribed it because I'm insane. Yeah, I, I, I'm, John, do you want to read I'm it out? I'm glad that someone? I have these two lunatics <laughs> with me. It's so bizarre to me. I mean, it shouldn't surprise me, but it just seems so weird in this song to have this. <laughs> sounds like yeah. some dude is like on a LSD trip or something and he's coming down. But yeah, I mean, w- what exactly are they saying here?
3: yeah I mean, I listened to it for a long time and just kind of thought, okay, they're talking, but then I look, <laughs> like they're saying actual words i I looked into this and uh Brian's kind of doing this high funny voice when he's talking. Uh, I wonder if he's trying to like sound like a kid or something, but I don't know. He says um he says, I think everybody should just start cooling it and quit coming on. Just be a cool guy. Don't think you're God. just don't fool around'
2: And then Al randomly says vibrations in the background, which is um, yeah. interesting, yeah.
3: I don't know. Um, there are two layers
2: of this as well. They did like two, that. that's why it's all kind of hard to decipher, but um, and then on the other one, it's just Brian and Al kind of trading off nonsense where Brian's going, cool it, and then Al goes, cool it, and then Brian just just goes, cool, 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 over and over again. Um, it's yeah. complete, you know, crap, but it's interesting. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought this was just kind of nonsense for a while, but. I don't know. It seems like on a lot of the stuff, he is kind of talking about himself and the music.
2: Yeah, the whole I think everybody should start cooling it and quit coming on. Just be a cool guy, but don't think you're God is kind of interesting. Um,
3: yeah, because I mean, people kind of treated him like God, and that's probably kind of how he started seeing himself. And this was this was music for him to uh, to relax. To you and, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he doesn't he doesn't say. You know, he doesn't say, I'm cool, and he says, I think everybody should just start cooling it.
0: Hmm. Um, So, yeah. I don't
3: know, maybe he's making some kind of statement about um, music or something. I don't know. It, it, it also kind of works with, with the uh, with with the story of the song. Yeah, exactly. It's this kind of bump into chaos and
2: this loss of innocence in the middle of it and um yeah, and taking then it, it to its kind it, of logical extreme of how far you could, um, the literal kind <laughs> of interpretation of... Just a complete, you know, left turn from that child, that sort of child likeness of, don't know how you describe it. Yeah. The rest of the yeah, song. Yeah. Because
3: then after the bridge section, when it goes back, it makes a change in it, and the lyrics go, She'll return in love with her liberty. So this kind of happens at a pivotal moment in the song. Yeah. It and happens uh, right after
2: the bumped, uh, boy bumped into a wonderful, you know. And then it goes yeah. into that chaotic thing. Um, not an accident, I don't think.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of people you know talked about try to interpret this song as like a sexual maturation of a female mm-hmm. i don't want to talk too much about that but
2: i think we've got to mention it when we get to getting hungry because no i mean celibacy. yeah <laughs> for, i mean
1: that's what i was thinking i'm just like uh like there is some weird yeah there's some definite <laughs> sexual things going on
3: um i think it's just about just innocence in general right just kind of life
2: you know well, there's definitely, a, yeah, but I think there's definitely a valid interpretation of that with the whole kind of uh, boy bumped into a wonderful thing and then it yeah, comes back. That's and the line that, of change. That, that
1: seems there's something more nefarious going on, but. But I that's don't know. just,
2: yeah, it's just one part of it, though. It is just right. generally about kind of a loss of innocence and going <laughs> yeah. out in the world and, you know, discovering liberty and all that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, when, when it comes around, it drops out the second to last verse for some reason, the fourth verse is gone. Um, and there's kind of a lyric change as well That very last line where it, Originally it went, uh, she'll sigh and thank God But mm-hmm. now, Carl does this kind of Creepy whisper right, where he says uh, She'll smile and thank God uh, that That's not an accident, <laughs> I don't think Sure Feels like quite an intentional wink um.
1: Is that the only time they say Smile on On Smiley Smile?
2: Yeah. I'm not sure, I'm not sure I'm well, well, good vibrations of, well, good oh, right, vibrations, right, yeah, good vibrations, right. There you Which go. isn't on Smiley Smile uh, it's not on sure. the album. <laughs> it's an illusion. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, this conscious lyric change there feels quite
4: intentional.
1: And Van Dyke wasn't credited on Smiley Smile for this, right?
4: When
2: Smiley Smile came out, Van Dyke's name was left off Windchimes Chimes and Wonderful.
1: Right, right. Yeah, it's interesting. He said that he didn't even listen to this record when it came out. Um, he he heard Heroes and Villains on the radio for the first time, and he was shocked at the like the way that Brian assembled it. He said it was really off-putting. He didn't say he didn't like it. He just said he was shocked, and it was it really was not how he ever would have envisioned it. So just crazy that he was so far removed that brian wouldn't even i mean brian wouldn't even be like hey come check out the this new record or hey look at these songs that we made together and like look at what we did with them and like i just it just shows kind of how brian really like was not cultivating these relationships like it seemed like once he moved into this bellagio house like they put that gate up and it was like beach boys only it was like very strict about that so
2: yeah
3: yeah um I mean, at the point he probably heard Heroes and Villains, it had been almost a year since they'd written it together. Right, right. Um, and Brian had moved on and changed so much uh, musically and, and otherwise. So, And Van Dyke as well, he was working on his own stuff. Yeah, I think he was writing Song Cycle at the time.
1: Yeah, it's just interesting how fast things moved and how quickly kind of that that relationship um, deteriorated. I mean, obviously they, they remained friends. Mm-hmm crazy to me and then hearing brian talk about van dyke like in the 70s he's like oh yeah there was this guy named van dyke parks and we wrote a song called heroes and villains like that's (laughs) that's the way he talks about (laughs) Van Dyke parks it's (laughs) like you wrote so many great songs and many of them i mean many of them have been released and people love them but anyway um
2: they were hanging out a lot in the 70s which is really strange to me whenever I yeah right yeah
3: yeah there's there's pictures of like them and Harry Nilsson hanging out in like 74, yeah, 75.
2: Kind of crazy. And, uh, and uh, so yeah. at some point, Brian wanted Van, Van Dyke to, to write the lyrics for Love You. Um, right. It eventually became Love You anyway. He wanted to um, work with him on the next album. Um, and they did like Come to the Sunshine in 1975. It's pretty interesting that he was just kind of in a social circle, even when they were working together. Yeah.
1: Here's an excerpt from Catch a Wave by Peter Ames Carlin. No longer able or willing to produce his usual torrent of new music, Brian filled in Smiley Smile with cast-offs from Smile, but instead of using the intricately crafted tracks he had already recorded, Brian redid the tunes in slapdash versions that seemed to diminish or alter their original intent and meaning. The Smile recording of Wonderful, for instance, had been a jewel-like ballad featuring an elegant arrangement of harpsichord, strings, horns, and blooms of delicate vocal harmony, that celebrated the resilience of love and innocence, even in the face of cynicism. The Smiley Smile version, on the other hand, featured a tossed-off organ track, high-pitched backing vocals produced either by a sped-up tape or the voice-box shrinking effects of helium, and a mid-song digression into an unstructured doo-wop sing-along, with much giggling and drugged-out whispering, until the verse briefly reasserts itself at the song's conclusion. Windchimes went through a similar transformation, losing its shimmering marimbas in exchange for a horror movie-like organ and a mid-song blast of dissonant noise that twists the once-dreamy song into something more like a waking nightmare. Was this Brian's conscious or perhaps subconscious commentary on what had happened to his music? Certainly, Smiley Small was the first album he had been involved with that represented a step backward in terms of production values and Songcraft. It was a bunt instead of a grand slam, Carl Wilson would eventually complain. Although he stopped short of acknowledging how the group production credit, to say nothing of some group members' vocal disapproval of the album Brian had intended to be his biggest masterwork, might have brought this about.
2: He just doesn't get it. He just does not get it. Yeah,
1: I mean, doing when I went back and, and went through every Beach Boys book and found everything that, that, that I could about Smiley Smile, which isn't a lot, This was, I mean, he is the most dismissive of it. Just basically injecting his own feelings about the record and making it into Beach Boy's lore, but it's it, a lot of this it's complete is,
2: misunderstanding of the autistic intent of the whole thing,
1: yeah, I mean, and and this stuff colors people's opinion of this record way more than, oh, for sure. I think people even know. I mean, we like it a lot. We feel very different. and I hope that we can show through this discussion and and through the the corroborating evidence that it was not a step backwards in terms of production or songcraft.
3: No. And I, I think, um, the part where he says, instead of using the intricately crafted track he recorded, he redid it in slapdash versions. Uh, and I think wonderful is kind of the opposite of that. Cause, um, you know, the smile version is, uh, what well, it's, it's harpsichord, piano, bass, and trumpet. And then with a, with a ukulele and, um, this version, I, I, there's just so much atmosphere. You know, the, the song happens so up close. Um, just Carl's vocal and the organ, but then you have all that background noise, which is, uh, you know, the celeste, the uh, melodica, and the drums, and all the kids laughing, and then the piano creeps in. It's just, yeah. I, I'm not hearing slapdash, you know.
4: No, it's just a different together session. versions.
3: Yeah, and it's it's just as a, uh, it's just as rich and um, and has all the same different kind of textures in it as well. And there's uh, some other things as well where he
2: says, like, was this Brian's conscious or subconscious commentary on what had happened to his music? And says that uh, the group's production credit was was responsible for these tossed-off versions and stuff because they couldn't do it the way Brian had, which is just complete nonsense. I mean, like...
3: Yeah, this is more Brian than the Smile version because he's actually (laughs) playing everything.
2: (laughs)
1: Yeah. I, and I think like criticizing it or, or making it seem like it's less than um, a, a great Beach Boys record and effort and production by saying you know how quickly it was put together means absolutely nothing. I mean, it was the the songwriting of this record was done over a period of months, and then on top of that, I mean, look at some of the Beach Boys' greatest records. I mean, they were recorded in in a matter of days. I mean, the Today record was recorded in, like, 10 days or something like that. I mean, it's, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, the fact that it was recorded so quickly makes it, I think, more cohesive and more impressive to me because they were just, like, actually finally sitting down to make a record and not just meandering in and out of canceled sessions and, like, different versions of the same song it, it just feels more focused and it's like finally like we're making a record together well, i mean
2: like the most productive kind of period of smile october 66 is when like most of the songs were recorded you know yeah like yeah Then to that it was kind of just drifting
3: in this smiley smile period they're doing a song in like one two days and then the next day they're doing the next song um and i don't think you can really fault them for being productive about it i think that's uh yeah like like you said White. i think that's that's why it came together so well and why it sounds like such a cohesive unit. Because he knew what he was doing again. That's the thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, he planned it all out like he did for all the albums before Smile.
1: Anyway, we're getting into too much big picture stuff. But it's important. I mean, I feel like... It's
3: important. Yeah, it's important.
1: Especially like the journey that Wonderful went on is is insane. I mean, so so many twists and turns to end up here of all places, you know?
2: I think, you know, I, I can't understand um, kind of an enmity people might have towards this version if it's the only one that they've got. Cause it almost feels like a sequel to the Smile version in some ways. Like um it's almost like it doesn't stand on its own as well as the other versions might do. Like Wind Chimes obviously is uh is completely its own thing when it's on Smelly Smile, but Wonderful has gone in such kind of a an unusual direction that it it's almost like it is almost like kind of a sequel to the original version of it. It kind of needs that context of where it's come from to fully appreciate what it is, but it's still, you know, it's still Still a really great piece of work, you know.
3: It's not diminished by that. I think it's important to kind of look at the big picture, and every now and again, because it's it's a big picture that's completely misunderstood by most Beach Boys fans. Yep. Um, and I, I get not knowing much about the record because it's there's not really much info out there. You kind of have to do some digging yourself, like like Will and I have done. But you can't, um, you know, make these assumptions about how fast it was done and uh, fault it for that. Because this is really special music.
1: Yeah. Mm. The whole produced by the Beach Boys thing, I think, you know, this is obviously a Brian Wilson album. Brian Wilson produced this record, wrote this record. But, you know, I think saying produced by the Beach Boys is is important because it, it's a Beach Boys record, unlike, you know, Smile and Pet Sounds where it was really, you know, so much about Brian and what was going on with Brian.
3: Yeah, on on Pet Sounds and Smile, there was kind of this tense divide between the Beach Boys and the people that Brian was working with to make the album. Uh, But here, the Beach Boys are the people that Brian was working with to make the album. And I think that's why, you know, I said this before, but I think that's just why it came together so well and why he felt compelled to include that credit.
1: This record feels like a band again. All day and all through the night. Take
4: Take one. 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 Two, one, two, three. Remember the day, day. Remember
1: the night, night. All day long. The final album track was titled Whistle In. Brian went through three variations on the same piece of music with Carl and Mike. For the first version, he recorded himself on piano with Carl on a conga as the basic track. Brian and Mike added two double-tracked harmonies each, giving the tune a very chant-like quality. Brian sang the title phrase, while Mike sang a low dum-dum-dum part. Both parts were sung together, and Carl sang the lead, also
4: double-tracked.
1: Probably immediately after finishing this version, Brian and the crew gave it another go.
4: Same Same balance, retain the piano.
1: For the second version, the basic track was just Brian on the piano. He and Mike added four overdubs of vocals again. With Mike's part being the same low part on all four, giving this version some extra thickness. Brian added his own dum-dum-dum bass part while Carl played a conga, and then Carl added a scat vocal while Brian played the conga. Once again, Brian decided to start from scratch, probably right after finishing this version. This time, Brian's playing bass alongside his piano. Everything is single track now, and some whistling by all three opens the track along with Mike's bass, now including the title phrase. Brian added two overdubs of the All Day All Night backing vocals, and Carl added his lead. And again, this is that same progression that we've heard so many times throughout the last year and a half. Um, so it's very fitting. Feels like it could be a part of a lot of different songs on Smile Sessions and Smiley Smile. Um, and it it's just another one of those kind of Brian chants or feels as he calls them. It's nice. What do you guys think about this?
3: Yeah, I love this. I mean... It's kinda of like the smiley smile version of You're Welcome or something, because it's just a simple little chant. It's only about a minute long. And I loved hearing the uh the first two versions on Sunshine Tomorrow for the first time. Love hearing how it all kind of uh evolved over those different versions.
2: It's just uh yeah, it is it is interesting to hear him kind of work out the way this tune evolves from kind of a very simple chant to something a lot more complicated then he kind of brings it back to more of almost a song not quite a song but it's got a little bit more of a structure to it i don't i don't, I don't really have too much to say on it it's just cool
1: i like the first one the best
2: yeah i think so too it's got the best because the vocals are all doubled um so it has a thicker sound to it
3: yeah i like how the title is kind of a pun like spelled whistle in like uh <laughs> yeah like two words but they sing it like in," like the word i think this is kind of a good example of how brian working with the band again and working with smaller arrangements just allowed him to be more productive because on Smile where he would have had three versions of a song he would have done that over weeks maybe months but now he can just record three completely different versions of something in the same day
2: I mean the the lyrics are kind of curious you kind of just wonder like what is it what does it mean um, all day all night and all, all day all night all day and all through the night like I don't know, it's, it's just an interest. Brian got into, um, meditation in, like, late 67. He was kind of inducted into this thing uh, long before Transcendental Meditation came around. And the rest of the group followed into it. And you kind of wonder if it had something to do with that. It's this very kind of meditative, you know, <laughs> remember the day, remember the night, all day long. Like, you know, just, what, what is it, What is he actually talking about here? It's kind of just intriguing. Um, it gets It worms its way into your head. And, uh, it's just a cool little hook thing.
4: Day the night.
3: It's cool. I kind of see it as as an epilogue almost. Because Wonderful is really like the closer of this album. It's kind of the, the last big statement. And then this is just kind of a bonus almost
2: yeah it's just I really don't have much to say about this one. it's, it's <laughs> i mean it's, it's, really it's a really
3: simple little song
2: it's just cool. Yeah. I wish we could have like uh both the first two versions kind of segue together if they didn't fade out in the official mix re release them <laughs> without like the fades i wanna wanna come together into one track but um yeah, into one long
3: medley kind of thing that would be cool yeah, yeah.
2: um and uh Brian actually did sing some of this at the Hawaii rehearsal for the um one oh yeah, shows in, one of the shows in August, which is pretty cool. Um,
1: yeah, I wish that they had done it in like C sharp so that it would lead into heroes and villains better. That's be my pretty, only real. <laughs> that, idea. that would be oh. pretty cool.
2: No, but it, the way the key that's, that they've done it in kind of leads on from Wonderful, which is pretty cool.
1: Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, last but not least, Getting Hungry, a new song written by Brian and Mike. This was recorded in three sections. Early takes began with Brian trying to slide his hand up his organ.
4: It sounds a bit rude! <laughs>
3: I think it's really funny how many times Brian screws up the opening of this. You can hear it on a on a bootleg that he just runs through that intro like a million times. <laughs> it's really hard for him to play.
2: Yeah, it's pretty cool hearing Mike kind of come up with, it just gives you kind of an insight into the collaborative kind of nature of all this, where Mike's um, just watching Brian and Carl do this, and I think Al must have been in the room as well, because he's mentioned it one time, and then Mike comes up with this idea to kind of change the intro, and Brian's just like, okay, we'll do it like that, and then he did. It's, um, it's good when we moment captured on tape.
1: Carl also was playing bass here, and he overdubbed a higher part afterwards. Of course, Brian had to add a melodica. Various percussion was also added, including bongos, tambourine, and woodblocks. The lead vocal is Brian and Carl in unison, with Al harmonizing just above, and all five Beach Boys singing the backing vocals. This section was mixed instrumentally for the intro, and then with vocals for the choruses.
4: Getting high!
0: I wake up in the morning just to work all through
4: the day
1: For the verse section, Brian played piano, while Carl played a fast tremolo guitar part. Mike and Brian sing their lead vocals off mic to guide the piano tempo, which you may still be able to hear if you listen closely. Brian overdubbed a bass, while Carl overdubbed a lower, aggressively plucky guitar part. Mike and Brian overdubbed their separate verse leads on different tracks with Carl adding a lower harmony to Brian on the second verse. On that second verse, Brian overdubbed another take where he just screams when his part comes in. And for the bridge section, the basic track just consists of Carl strumming two chords on his tenor ukulele all five Beach Boys overdubbed their backing vocals, and then Brian and Mike added their lead.
4: I'm getting hungry. Hungry for My kind of woman.
3: Yeah, this song is just um, so weird. I guess it's really the only kind of fully new Brian and Mike co-write from this period and I don't know whose idea it was but I don't know Beach Boys singing a a song about working all day over this like (laughs) strange organ music is just bizarre
2: this was um, I think they did come up with this kind of at the very last minute it was the last song they recorded for the album and I think it was also pretty much just written on the spot like at the end it's like we need one more song and then they did this (laughs) I I mean I I think Brian wrote the chorus and Mike wrote the verses you can just hear that kind of character in, <laughs> in the lyrics. There. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah,
3: for sure, for sure.
1: And the whole thing about, like, it was released as a Brian and Mike single, not a Beach Boys single. Y-
2: yeah, so strange. I think I think the whole idea behind that was Brian and Mike, for some reason, got really enthusiastic about this and wanted it to be a single. But the rest of the group were like, no. So, <laughs> so they put it out as a Brian Wilson and Mike Love single. Um, kind of like Caroline No. It's kind of a sequel to that, but... Um, Put out, as a, put out as a single under their name their names for a different reason because <laughs> it's because the others just didn't want it to be a single
3: yeah and this this one's also especially weird because Caroline No was actually just a Brian Wilson song that none of the beach boys sang on mm-hmm. but this has like yeah I mean Carl and Dennis played instruments on it all over the place and uh, they all sing on it Carl you can hear his voice very clearly in the chorus kind of singing the lead it's it's weird. <laughs>
4: I don't think I'd continue on. And oh come the night time. Get hungry Hungry for my kind of woman. I'm getting hungry. Soon
3: I gotta back up. But yeah, I love the Again, I think just this kind of music that they did, this kind of um, style, where the the verses sound so different from the chorus, I think it really works in this song.
2: Yeah, it's it's classic sort of modular thing.
3: Yeah, again. It, it the chorus kind of explodes with with these like triumphant, like happy major vocals, and then the verse just gets really weird and quiet and creepy. It's it's that sort of
2: like grungy organ sound as well that's so. Like deliberately kind of abrasive it's, it's, it's just such a bizarre kind of recording um, I mean I think everybody kind of acknowledges this That there's an intentional musical joke there With You have to turn the volume all the way up to hear the, mus- the wind chimes fade And then you get hit with this like nasty organ um, <laughs> It, can, can, it just takes you by surprise if you turn the volume too much Oh too yeah much. for sure
1: um, It's definitely catchy the chorus You know with the right arrangement It could have been a, a hit but yeah, It was not
3: no. And and maybe with a totally different rest of the song.
1: Yeah, I mean it just didn't sound like the rest of the music on the radio and it definitely didn't sound like the Beach Boys.
2: Yeah, I mean they did this live in Hawaii. Um and it really works there. It's kind of strange that like all of these uh, reworked songs that did it late in Hawaii, um, like some of them don't really come off, some of them do, but Getting Hungry kind of because really, it's it's very similar to the studio version. It really works as a live song for some reason. Um they did a great performance over there um should we talk about the celebration <laughs> celebration version? oh yeah yeah we should mention that
4: I'm wasting half my life away but oh come the night I'm getting hungry
3: I feel like it's worth a mention.
2: Well, we've mentioned it, so let's move on. There it is. Yeah, I
1: mean that's it. Who? Oh, where's that quote about um, celebration? No, about about getting hungry. Oh, yeah, from Byron Price, who said, it's an odd co- combination of energetic vocals, electric bass, and bluesy meandering." He really liked it, but um, it had a other. It had a few other like favorable reviews, but it was not a a hit. <laughs> um, I couldn't even find the chart information on this. I don't know if it even charted. I don't think it would. have um, I mean, I
2: don't think it did. Yeah. haven't looked into that. Strange. Very. Yeah. Some people say this kind of like, um, could fit on Wild Honey, uh, which I don't agree with because it's got no drums. It's got, like, you know, like the wood blocks and melodica. That's not Wild Honey. It can't. No, it yeah, be I mean, it would Honey, need but, a full band. Yeah, know. but the, the songwriting itself does kind of fit and lead the way to where they were going to go.
3: Yeah, this and the end of She's Going Bald. You can kind of hear the transition in in Brian's style, and he's kind of taking more R&B influence, um, which also comes from Mike a lot.
2: Yeah, and the lyrics... I mean, the lyrics are very different to the sort of thing he have been writing about for the last year. Like, I mean, that chorus, it doesn't need to, I mean, we don't need to say what that's about, but um, there's, there is, should, is it time to mention the, the famous 1977 celibacy interview? Um, should we bring that up? Because, uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it definitely had something to do with his songwriting on Pet Sounds and Smile, and then something changed here where he wasn't doing that anymore. Um Sure. Yeah, well...
1: Well, I mean, he did conceive his first daughter within a few weeks of this song, so... Exactly, yeah. His hunger paid off.
0: <laughs> uh, when I was making Pet Sounds, I was going through a form celibacy, celibacy, which I'm going through now. I'm a celibate, I'm proud of it, and, I, and I'm very happy that way.
4: Now, how does your wife feel about the celibacy?
0: Oh, she it's, it works out fine. We have an understanding and agreement, so there's no problem with it.
1: Yeah. Um, But yeah, the B-side, I wanted to say, the B-side of this single was Devoted to You, which is kind of fun. Oh, yeah. Like, completely different version of Mike and Brian. Yeah. I mean, they probably,
3: when they got the idea to do this as a Brian Wilson and Mike Love single, they probably had to Yeah, they had to find (laughs) something else. Yeah, we need something that's just Brian Wilson and Mike Love.
1: Well, it's like putting Summer Means New Love on Caroline No. It's like, we gotta find another Brian Wilson song. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, this is one of the. I don't think I own this single. I got to admit, I have. I think every Beach Boys single, even like tons of international releases, but I don't think I own this. Oh I need wow! To find it. I'm pretty sure yeah, I
3: have like one
2: or maybe none.
1: Yeah, I got to find. I got to find this.
2: I'm a fan of that um, single artwork as well. Well, the drawings of them because they look like you know, like 1976. Yeah. Brian and Mike. It's <laughs> it's really, um, because Brian had a beard at the time, so they drew him with a beard, but it just looks kind of kind of it's like a spooky kind of foreshadowing for for future selves
1: yeah that is cool it does say beach boys on the cover yeah Um, i mean i don't
3: think it would have sold if it didn't in some way
1: yeah it's beach boys brian wilson and mike love strange there's also another like a different cover um (laughs) <laughs> Which I wish I want to find this somewhere. I'm posting. Oh, this to I, you I know. Guys. That when you, I've just googled. It. I know the one uh, you're talking about
2: where it's got Carl. Right <laughs> <laughs> where
1: it's Mike and Carl. Yeah, but it says Brian Wilson and Mike Love.
2: I'm looking at that right now for um, the first time. That's brilliant. It's, yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, they screwed up.
1: I just put it in the chat. It's hilarious. Um, it's just like you can see like somebody else's head popping up. And it's like, who on earth did that? Where it's like, okay, (laughs) let's not even consult the band at all. Let's just put this out. But just crop some photo of the band. that it's Mike. Yeah, close enough. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, no one will know the difference. Um. Anyway,
2: that's brilliant. I've never seen that before. Right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wonder what um, if they could have put out any of these songs, and they would have done better than than. Getting hungry. I don't know. You just, I feel there's, like, just no, there's no real
3: obvious singles yeah. on here. Uh, I mean, Vegetables <sighs> I mean, kind of. F- it's got ve- a
2: sing-along quality, but it's sure. done in such a kind of minimalist style that I wouldn't take off I don't think. but... I don't know.
3: I don't know. Yellow Submarine did well for the Beatles, and who Vegetables kind of has a similar <laughs> yeah, quality. Knows? But I think he kind of realized that that wasn't going to be the one when he went back to Heroes and Villains. So there's another recording from the Smiley Smile sessions that isn't a part of any other song it's called i believe in miracles and um this one's really weird it's really interesting it's just kind of like a two-chord vamp played by brian on the organ and then there's someone like clapping along or like slapping something probably dennis And the vocals on this one confused everyone for a long time because no one could figure out who was singing. But it's Audrey. It's um, it's the their mom, who hadn't really sung on a on a Beach Boys thing in a long time. But there's a bunch of pictures of her hanging out at the uh, at Brian's house around this time, and Brian kind of hung out with her a lot. You know, he wasn't really seeing his dad, but I don't know. It, it it's probably just an experiment that he did while she was there um, because it's just he did two vocals on this and then Dennis does a part as well and then there's some other guy that we couldn't figure out who it was it's not oh, a yeah,
2: beach some boy some weird non-beach boy doing this kind of low yeah voice and we don't know who it could possibly be maybe Steve yeah. Korthoff because I've heard him talk before and his voice sounds kind of like that but really yeah. I've got no
3: idea I think so too hmm. because I mean either way this is like the one piece of music from the smiley smile kind of era that isn't connected to anything else so i think this is just something that brian came up with and did for fun to kind of show off the new home studio to uh his mom and whoever that other person is maybe another family member or friend it was like on bootlegs as a part of can't wait too long but that's not um something that brian did that's just from a mix that mark lynette made in the 80s Mm.
2: Mm, well i've i've actually um i'm i'm doing some uh some, some low key research here. Um, and, and it, and, and it says that, uh, somewhere from some source that actually at some point the title, I believe in miracles was crossed off and can't wait too long was written in its place. Uh, Hmm. which is very interesting. I don't know what that's about, but, uh, I wonder who that's all. We we don't know anything else about it. There's just one take of like an organ track with worthless vocals from some time in the smiley smile sessions with no date.
3: Um, yeah, yeah very interesting. so I kind of always assumed it was just some weird experiment that they it, did. It can't really be a full song, can it, you know? No, I mean, it's only a couple seconds long.
1: And I think we have completed these sessions for Smiley Smile. We will wrap it up next time and uh, talk about the release of the album and the reactions and more of this transitional period. Thank you guys very much for your help. This was really fun and informative.
2: Cool, cool.
0: Is this sound and material an indication of things to come for such groups as uh, your Beach Boys? Well, uh, I don't know. I just think it's not really an indication of things to come uh, for us or anything. It's just a, uh, it's it, we just uh, had a, a particular atmosphere, you know, that we were working in that inspired that particular kind of things that were on the album. Uh-huh. Uh, we, you know, did it in three weeks. We, had about six months before that we were doing different things when we jumped Uh and uh, ended up doing the whole thing here at the house with sort of an entirely different mood and approach than we originally started out Uh here.
1: All right, before we go, if you haven't checked it out, there is a brand new recording of Add Some Music by members of the Beach Boys and extended family calling themselves California Music. I feel like I've heard that before. The proceeds are going to Feeding America, and there's a link in the show notes. Please check that out. Thank you guys for sticking with me. We have a very special guest next time, someone who we've never talked to, but we are very familiar with here at Sailon, and I think it'll be a fun hang. Some more exciting things on the horizon for our little show. I'm looking forward very much to this summer. It's going to be a good one. Good vibes are in the air, and I hope everyone has a lovely morning, afternoon, night, whichever. Hang on to your ego, and sail on, sailors. have to split hairs with you a little bit john because that that second chord is actually a five seven augmented chord (laughs) is it yeah i just had to correct myself because i heard you say it and i was like oh yeah that is a cool chord and then i had to (laughs) play it on the guitar to figure out what it was going on but it's the same chord it's not the same key and not the same inversion but it's the same chord as the first chord and when i grew up to be a man
3: oh interesting yeah, not yeah. that there's any
1: connection w- there. It's just a another cool jazz chord, but yeah, I had to
3: yeah, pick that up just had, now. Yeah, I've never actually looked at the chords. I was just trying to like <laughs> play it in my head and figure out what it was. I got to listen to that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you just prompted me to figure out what it was, but yeah, it's you can hear <laughs> this. It's like so it's like <laughs>
3: <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, so it's the weird thing about it is that Carl sings, um, like he sings like six, like a sixth scale degree and a, and the one, like the tonic over that chord, which doesn't make any sense, which is why it's so eerie and sounds like a diminished chord. I don't know. That with, with me tonight, you know, like it doesn't fit the chord at all, but it's the old melody, you know. So it's I don't know.
4: Oh. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You better leave this in, in the podcast. I love it. (laughs)